What is up everyone? It is Quinn here back with another video and with the NFL draft wrapping up, I thought this would be a good opportunity to go through and update my dynasty running back rankings. So I'm going to be going through my dynasty RB1s, my top 12, and then uh, splitting all these players up into different tiers. And then tomorrow I will run it back with my wide receivers. So check back tomorrow if you are interested in that. As always, if you enjoy the content, do me a huge favor, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. And let's honestly not waste any more time. Let's get right into it. So starting off with my dynasty running back one, my only tier one player, it is going to be Bijan Robinson. And I really just don't think you can ask for much more out of your dynasty running back one. He pretty much checks every single box. He has the great draft capital, was picked obviously eighth overall in this most recent NFL draft. He has the solid size, five foot 11, 215, no concerns there, only 21 years old. So this is a guy who can be an RB1 for you for the next eight, nine seasons. Like that's not out of the question. He's a very strong athlete, three years of very solid college production. He caught passes. So he has that three down skill set. And then he's going to a Falcons offense that has shown us they want to be super run heavy. Obviously them investing a top 10 pick in him. They're clearly going to be using him, you know, all over in all situations. So I think he is the clear cut top dynasty running back. And I also think he is very worthy of being a round one dynasty startup pick. So top 12 pick there and the RB1 overall for dynasty. So Bijan, number one, I feel like at this point that is pretty consensus. Now moving into tier two, my running back two, it is going to be Brees Hall. And I feel like Brees Hall is kind of in a similar situation to Bijan, where he checks nearly every box. I really feel like the only red flag for him here is just that he's going to be coming off of that ACL tear. But I mean, all the reports we've been hearing is that his recovery has been very solid. It doesn't sound like it was a super severe ACL tear. We've heard some of these other guys where they basically blow out everything in the knee. That does not appear to be the case here with Brees Hall. And I think if there's anyone you're going to be betting on to return successfully and you know, be very healthy coming off that ACL, you're gonna be wanting to bet on like the 21-year-old freak athlete. Like he's young, he's super athletic. I think he'll be able to bounce back and be very impressive throughout the rest of his career. And if we look at his rookie season, I know it wasn't a full sample size of 16, 17 games, but he was the RB8 in points per game based on his seven-game sample size. Now, if he was RB8 over the entire season as a rookie, I feel like people would view that as a win. The crazy thing about that RB8 number is that he was in a committee for three of those seven games with Michael Carter before he kind of took over that starting role. And then he tore his ACL in the seventh game. So we have one game where he's not even playing the full game. And then the other three where he's splitting touches and he still managed to be the RB8 in points per game. In the three games he was locked in as the starter, he put up 15.8, 27.7, and then 20.1 PPR points. You also have the addition of Aaron Rodgers, which is obviously gonna raise the ceiling of this offense, at least in the short term, for you know the one, two, three seasons that Aaron Rodgers is there. So I really like Brees Hall. I think he's going to bounce back from that ACL tear. Maybe he starts slow the first quarter of the season, but obviously this is a long-term investment. And I think by mid-season, he's going to be firing on all cylinders. Now, my second tier two running back and my final tier two running back is going to be Jonathan Taylor. And he's another running back here who has a little bit of a quarterback shakeup. Jonathan Taylor still only 24 years old, even though he's had three seasons. So he still has a ton of production ahead of him. Now he is coming off of a tough season, both with his own personal injuries and then also just the Colts offensive line and the Colts offense in general, just kind of falling apart around him. But I'm not super worried about that long-term. Jonathan Taylor has already proven he has a very strong ceiling 
finished as the RB1 in 2021. And I have seen some takes where people are a little concerned about Jonathan Taylor with Anthony Richardson coming in at quarterback, maybe could lower Jonathan Taylor's production. For me, I'm not really concerned. Now, it's totally true that mobile quarterbacks, they're not going to check down to their running backs as much instead of checking down like some of the pocket passers. They're going to look to use their legs to scramble. Totally buy into that. But the thing is for Jonathan Taylor, he was never going to be a guy who was catching 80 plus you know, receptions a game. That's just not what he does. The year he finished as the RB1 overall, he only caught 40 passes, which wasn't even inside the top 20 at the running back position. So I think the threat of Richardson's legs, once they are playing together, I feel like JT's efficiency is going to be through the roof. And I honestly feel like he could be cruising to seasons where he's averaging over six yards per carry. Maybe he gets a few goal line carries kind of snaked from him, but I just think in general, this is going to be a lethal rushing attack between Richardson and Jonathan Taylor, and I'm just not really super concerned about it. He may lose out on a few touchdowns and some receiving work, but I think he'll make up for it in big plays and just like the total yardage based on his efficiency. Now, moving out of tier two and into tier three, my running back four overall is going to be Jameer Gibbs. And I feel like this might be a hot take, Kevin Gibbs over uh, Christian McCaffrey, but I honestly feel pretty solid about it at this point. With Jameer Gibbs, we have a 21-year-old running back who was picked number 12 in the NFL draft. And I kind of feel like both Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs draft capital is being a little bit overshadowed because we did have like these two running backs get this great draft capital. This is not something we are seeing every year. I mean, the two great running backs I have ranked ahead of Gibbs here, Brees Hall and Jonathan Taylor, both those guys went in round two. The last time we saw a running back go this early was Saquon in 2018. So this is not typical running back draft capital. We've seen great running backs go late first round, second round. We are not consistently seeing these top running backs go top 15, top 10. Gibbs was an elite pass catcher in college, and he is also very, very capable on the ground. So I honestly think he can step in, be a mid-tier running back one without having a crazy workload. I think he can be a guy catching six passes a game, carrying the ball 12, 13, 14 times. And I think he's going to deliver running back one production in that role. But I've also seen people saying like, I don't know why we're so high on Gibbs. He's not McCaffrey. He's not Eckler. He doesn't have that type of ceiling. And while I don't think we should be betting on Gibbs to be like this elite top tier fantasy option from day one, to just throw away these other names, in my opinion, is foolish to be discounting his potential ceiling. McCaffrey, Eckler, Jamal Charles, these are all guys who have had crazy fantasy ceilings and have come in at 202 pounds or lighter at the combine. That was obviously a concern for Gibbs, came in at 199. Now, you don't really want to be betting on outliers. But I mean, Gibbs is an outlier just in terms of his receiving profile, also his draft capital. Like this is not some random day two, day three running back who's light where we're like, ah, the ceiling's not really there. The NFL clearly views Gibbs as a game changer. I think he's going to have a great role with the Lions. And I also just don't think we should be throwing away the ceiling that really could be crazy. Like if in a year or two, this guy is putting up like Eckler numbers. I mean, you're getting an absolute steal right now with him as the running back four. Not saying that's going to happen, but I feel like to say that's impossible is just kind of not true. And I just think it's kind of foolish to throw that out there. Now, my other tier three running back is going to be Christian McCaffrey, who I have as my running back five. And he's definitely more of a win now option. He's going to be 27 very soon, but he's just in a fantastic situation here with the 49ers. He was the running back two in points per game last season with 21 points per game. 
And I honestly wouldn't be shocked if he improved on those uh, 2022 numbers. This is a guy who has pretty much the craziest ceiling we've ever seen at the running back position. Averaged 29.4 points per game over a full 16 game season. He is that dude. I think a full year with this 49ers offense could also lead to some of those improvements. So he's a guy who's going to be a high-end one for at least the next couple seasons and can definitely carry you to some uh, dynasty championships. Now shifting into tier four, we're going to have three different running backs in this tier. And I'm going to start it off with Saquon Barkley. At this point, I'm kind of just viewing him as like a slightly discounted Christian McCaffrey. He's also 26 years old, had a bounce back with the healthy 2022 season. Similar to McCaffrey, people were throwing out the injury prone narrative on both of these dudes. So he has a healthy 2022, was the running back five in points per game. Now we'll see what kind of happens here with this contract and the Giants. But even if he ends up going to a different team, like he's going to be a high-end RB1 or at least have a high-end RB1 ceiling pretty much on any roster he's on or at least any team that's actually going to be willing out and trade for him or signing him you know, to a big contract. So I like Saquon there, another kind of win-now piece. Also in Tier 4, my RB7 is going to be Josh Jacobs. And I honestly didn't think I would be this high on Josh Jacobs, but if you're just looking at where he's at and kind of his history in the league, he had three seasons where he was a solid RB2 option, average between 14 and 16 points per game in his first three seasons. Then he just comes out, absolutely explodes in 2022, averages 19.3 PPR points per game, was the running back three in points per game behind Austin Eckler and Christian McCaffrey. And he's still at 25 years old. It's not like we're looking at a 26, 27, 28-year-old running back. And he's only a year older than some of these other guys who I think are viewed as much younger, like a Jonathan Taylor, a Travis Etienne. In this past season, he proved he can handle a large three-down workload, had the highest opportunity share at the running back position, led the NFL in rushing yards, 20 carries a game, 3.8 targets per game. And I don't even think we've seen his potential ceiling, right? He averaged just below 20 PPR points per game this past year. And he did that while scoring 12 touchdowns in 17 games. Like that's not a bad number, but it's not crazy to think one of these years he can average a touchdown a game and really just explode over that 20 point per game number. I think he's probably going to step into a similar workload this season. They really didn't bring in much competition, if any, at the running back position. So I think Josh Jacobs is a really interesting name here because I feel like he's almost thrown into that that group of guys who are 26, 27, as opposed to being tossed into the 24-year-olds. But we're looking at the age difference here. I think he has a nice balance, and he's one of these guys who has actually shown that he can have that ceiling compared to the next guy I'm going to talk about, who is Travis Etienne. And I feel like a lot of people are going to think this is pretty low. And I was once, you know, very, very in on Travis Etienne. And I've just taken a little bit of a step back. And I don't think I'm down on him. I'm just not quite as hyped up as uh, some other people are. I think he's kind of in an interesting spot because he's still on the younger end at 24 years old, but he also hasn't showcased an elite ceiling. He missed the entire 2021 season, and then he finished as the running back 23 in points per game in 2022. Early in the season, he kind of struggled to take over the starting job, but once he did, they moved James Robinson, and he put together a dominant three-game stretch from week seven to week nine. 18.9, 25.2, and then 26.6 PPR points over that three-game stretch. At that point, it was like, all right, he's golden. He's going to have massive games moving forward. He's going to be a high-end running back one for the rest of the year. And then the production just really fell off, scored over 15 points just once in the last eight weeks. 
And for me, the concern here with ETN comes down to the lack of receiving work. That was the thing that was going to give him the super high ceiling. ETN finished the season 22nd in targets and receptions, where he was a guy you probably thought he would have been top five while he's operating as the starter. And it doesn't make a ton of sense because he was a great pass catcher in college. His last two college seasons, he uh, had 85 total receptions for 1,020 receiving yards. So very, very impressive numbers. And I just don't really get why the Jaguars don't trust him in that role. And it's kind of tough because it's like, he's shown he can do it. He did it in college. But if we're not seeing it from the Jaguars, like how long can we hold on to that college usage before we kind of understand like maybe they just don't want him in that spot. They also spent third round draft capital on Tank Bigsby. I'm not saying that Bigsby is going to come in and take over. I don't think ETN is going to lose that RB1 role. But looking at some of the other running backs ahead of him, I'm definitely in a spot where I can't put him over Gibbs just based on the age and the potential ceiling. And then like we're looking at CMC, Saquon, like these are players who are two to three years older, but they have proven they can give you those high-end running back one seasons. And then even a guy like Josh Jacobs, right? Josh Jacobs is one year older and is coming off of an RB3 finish. So I almost feel like for ETN to match Josh Jacobs in value, he would have to go out this season and put up, you know, a high-end running back one season, right? Like if ETN is going to be 25 next season, you would probably want to see that production out of him. So I just can't rank him over Jacobs when he kind of has this uphill battle to climb to kind of get that respect, at least in my opinion, that's how I'm viewing it. That's what I was kind of talking about with the one-year age difference. It feels like people with Jacobs, they're like, oh, he's this veteran, he's got a few years left. ETN is super young. ETN is one year behind him in age, and he's gonna need that big season, in my opinion, to get some respect on his name. And if we're sitting here uh, next year and ETN's coming off of a fringe RB1 season and he's 25 years old, like how are we viewing him moving forward? I feel like he could take even a bigger hit potentially, but I do still believe in him. I think he's going to be solid. I just can't rank him ahead of some of these dudes who have kind of already proven it. Now, shifting into my final tier, tier five, my running back nine, we're going to start it off with Kenneth Walker. He definitely took the uh, biggest hit after the NFL draft. Obviously, you know, what happened in the draft doesn't change what Kenneth Walker can do as a player and how talented he is. But when we were looking at Kenneth Walker, the kind of ceiling that we were holding out hope for, I guess you would say, would be that he could catch passes. And with them drafting Zach Charbonnet in the seventh round, or sorry, second round, he's clearly not going to be catching passes. That is going to be Charbonnet's job. Kenneth Walker is going to be getting the ball on the ground. He's probably still going to be carrying it 15 times a game. He's going to be very efficient. He's going to get into the end zone. And he is still young at 22 years old. But at this point, like, are we kind of willing to accept that Kenneth Walker just isn't going to have that crazy RB1, high-end RB1 upside? Because that's kind of how I'm looking at it right now. With Charbonnet in that backfield, I can't see him having that upside with the Seahawks unless we get a Charbonnet injury and then they give Kenneth Walker the receiving workload. But I wouldn't be shocked if Charbonnet goes down they just throw some other dude in there instead of giving Kenneth Walker that opportunity. And then when he's 25 years old, going to be a free agent, didn't catch passes in college, didn't catch passes at the NFL most likely, is he now going to go to a different team or stay with the Seahawks and all of a sudden start catching passes? I just don't really think so. So I feel like we're in this spot where he could be a fringe RB1 year after year, but I just don't know if that upside is there. So that's kind of what I'm wrestling with here with Kenneth Walker. My RB10 is going to be Tony Pollard coming off of a breakout 2022 season was the RB9 in points per game. 
and he somehow finished as a RB1 top 12 running back with the 34th largest opportunity share in the NFL. Like his opportunity share wasn't even like a starting running back, 12.1 carries per game, 3.4 targets per game, but he was very efficient in those opportunities, 5.2 yards per carry, 9.5 yards per reception, and right now he is lined up as their clear-cut running back one, Zeke gone. Doesn't seem like it's impossible that they bring him back or the Cowboys could go out, kind of sign some other veteran running back. But at the very least, I think Pollard is going to see at least a small increase in his workload. I honestly don't think the Cowboys are ever going to go all in on giving Pollard like this, you know, massive workload. I don't think he's going to be an 18 plus carry per game guy. But if you can just get him up to what, 15 carries, four or five targets. He is going to be a fantasy monster. Now he is 26 years old, so a little bit on the older end for the running back position. But when you actually look at his usage, like he has very little tread on his tires in terms of his workload. In college, he was pretty much a wide receiver. The most carries he had in a season was 78. And then in the NFL, he hasn't logged a season with 200 carries. So he really hasn't had massive workloads throughout the years, but it's just like, will his athleticism kind of carry into his early 30s? I guess we'll see. But at this point, he's a top 10 dynasty running back for me. Now, my running back 11 is going to be Austin Eckler. And at 28 years old, you know, Eckler may have two, three RB1 seasons left, but I think he's a great win now option, especially if he ends up staying with the Chargers. It seems like his kind of search for a trade partner in a new deal um, hasn't exactly gone great for him. Obviously, tough spot, you know, an older running back. Those guys typically aren't getting paid in today's NFL, but he's coming off of back-to-back seasons where he averaged over 21 PPR points per game. So we know he has a crazy high ceiling, still probably in his prime. And when we're looking at his skill set, I don't think he's a guy who relies on insane athleticism. And with his receiving ability, I feel like he has the skill set to be an RB2, even when he's out of his prime. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if we're seeing... 31-year-old, 32-year-old Austin Eckler putting up like mid to back end RB2 numbers. So I feel like he's going to be a guy who probably doesn't fall off a cliff. And if he still wants to play, I think he's going to have a role in backfields for the next four or five years potentially. But he is kind of a uh, shorter shelf life, at least for the ceiling there. And then my final running back, my RB12, wrapping up the RB1s, it is going to be Ramondre Stevenson. I think he was a big winner from this offseason, finished as the running back 11 last year in points per game, and then he kind of benefited throughout the year with Damian Harris's injuries, which opened up his kind of three-down workload for the Patriots. But in free agency, we see Damian Harris go to the Bills, and then the Patriots kind of just sit there. They sign James Robinson, which in my opinion, Damian Harris at this point in his career, much better than post-Achilles terror James Robinson. Like that is a huge W in terms of limiting the competition for Ramondre in that backfield. Then in the draft, the Patriots do not select a running back. So I feel like we're definitely in a spot where we could be looking at a workhorse season out of Ramondre. Now there's always the risk of the Patriots kind of doing something funky with their backfield, but it seemed like they liked Ramondre in that role last year. He really also excelled as a pass catcher. You know, uh, this is assuming PPR scoring for Dynasty. And at 25 years old, he still has some very, very solid seasons left in him. So that's why he's going to wrap it up here as my RB12. I do think this spot could have gone to a few different guys, but ended up settling with Ramondre. So that is my uh, top 12 Dynasty running backs. Let me know what you guys think. Who should be higher? Who should be lower? You know, who do you think are solid buy options, sell options? Like I said, I'll be doing the wide receivers tomorrow. So come by tomorrow to check that one out. But thank you all for stopping by and I will see you in the next one.